If you are new with us today, or if you're online new with us, I just want you to know that Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. And if you have any questions about that at all, please talk with the leadership, talk with me. Uh, we would love to answer those questions. So, today, we're in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to get rolling here. And I'm excited about today. I, I, I hope that you were here for last Sunday in, in our conversation about being sealed by the Holy Spirit when you come to Christ and, and the, what that stands for, what that means, and who it's for. And I hope that you got to hear that. If you didn't, please go online, listen to that, uh, and, and make sure that you know, you know, you know and when you come to Him and choose Him, you are saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit for all eternity. And I want you to know that, and I want you to stand in that. And, and if you have any questions at all about that, please come and talk with me, because I would love to have that conversation with you. Ephesians chapter 2. And you made a lot who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father God, I just pray right now that we can, we can have the mindset and the heart to grab a hold of this. These words that are written have so much depth to them. And I pray, Father, that we grab a hold of it and that, we, uh, 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 that You give us understanding of what's being said here. And help us to put it into our heart and in our minds. And to live it and to walk it and to know it. Jesus, you are amazing. And your grace is something that we struggle wrapping our minds around. Because we fall so short of that grace. Your grace is unconditional. It's amazing. 
There's so much to it that we can never exhaust the depths of seeking it. I pray right now that you fill this place, God. Fill this place with your Spirit so that we can just see the evidence of you right here. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds are ready for your Word and that we take it to heart and that we that we allow it to sink in, that we allow it to be Your words and not mine. And Father, if I say anything that is not of You, Lord, I pray that it falls to the ground and it goes there and does not stick anywhere else. God, thank You, thank You, thank You for Your love and Your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. I want to make sure that as we start into chapter 2, that we don't let this break between chapter 1 and chapter 2 end the conversation or end the letter that's being written. It's a continuation here that we get to see. It's a continuation of what Paul is laying out for us. You see, last week we got to see the, the mighty power of, of God as it raised Christ from the grave and crowned Him with glory. He says, you, He made alive. You, He made alive. This big old positive, right? And then He jumps into the description of how man is spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Dead because of the trans. Dead because of the, the trespasses and sins. And conforming to the world. And being led by the Spirit, the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, as it says. The devil works in the devil. Listen, all unsaved people are sons of disobedience. I don't care what they say. Even if they say, well, I'm a really good person. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You're still sons of disobedience because your disobedience to God. Because of the disobedience to God of not coming to Him. You're spiritually dead. And in verse 3, he just lays it out. He says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. We all, he says, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. You know, Paul himself lived an outwardly moral life before he was blinded, before he came to Christ. And that's what the Jews would say. From the outward appearance, they would say, Paul's a good guy, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. See, but uh, now Paul realized how self-centered he was. And what he was in himself. He realized that he was a lot worse than anything that he had ever done internally. You see, he points out here that fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Not just the outwardly deals, but the inwardly too. Paul refers to sin of thought as well as sinful acts. 
When a person is not of Christ, their thoughts can run wild. Our thoughts run wild, right? But a person not of Christ, their, their thoughts run wild and there's nothing to stop them from allowing their imagination to go wherever it wants to go. You see, it's not easy to control the mind. It's not easy at all to control the mind, but 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Being a follower of Jesus, I fall so short in this. Being a follower of Jesus, I mess this up a lot. I can beat myself up over my thoughts. Even when I'm even when I do something right, I can still beat myself up. When I'm nice to somebody and they treat me like dirt, I will beat myself up. I'll beat myself up when I don't do right either. I'll beat myself up. But also in my thoughts, I can think some pretty horrible stuff about people. In my thoughts, I can be extremely mean to people. In my thoughts, I can tear people down. And you know, uh, it's all because I make the decision to follow my flesh and not Christ in those moments. It's, it's when I decide to, to allow the flesh to just run, for my imagination to just run, my thoughts to just run, and not turn it over to the power of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. Because we all know that His power is amazing. And when we can turn all that over to Him, we can bring every thought, every thought, into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. But listen, if a person doesn't know and understand Jesus and His power, they don't have anything to control those thoughts except for their moral well-being. Their morally good thoughts, right? Or their, that they're good people. It doesn't work doesn't work when they don't know Christ. They're leaving it up to themselves to fight the evil. Leaving it up to themselves to, to control that, and they lose. They lose. And if we leave it up to our own flesh, we lose. But that's exactly why Paul's final description of the unsaved is, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Our flesh wants to be of this world. I want you to, to notice that man's three enemies are in verses 2 and 3. The world, the devil, and the flesh. They're all pointed out in this. And when a person is not a believer in Christ, they do not have the source of power to overcome them. And in turn, they are appointed to death and judgment. Church, I believe in today's world of church, we have left behind the truth 
of what happens when somebody is not of Christ. Hell. Hell is a term we don't like to throw out in church anymore because we feel like it'll drive people out. But the truth is, if you're not of Christ, your destination is hell. And not because God's sending you there, but because you choose to go there. That is your destination. Jesus says, I have a much better one. I have much, much better one. One that you can't even imagine how good it is. And it's there for you. It's there for you to just come to me and believe in me and be sealed by the Holy Spirit and know that you have heaven. But if you don't, you have hell. Hell. And it's not a good place. I don't care what kind of ribbons and roses the world puts on it. It's a horrible place. We should not even want our worst enemy to even think that maybe it would be a decent place to go to. But the truth of the matter is, we've watered it down so much. We've watered it down that we can be on a destination of hell and not even know it. We can put people on the destination of hell and not even and them not even know it. We want so badly for people to be saved. We want so badly for them to be saved and, and go to heaven that we water down the truth thinking that, that maybe we can still get them there. And we water down the truth and say, well, you can just say this little prayer and go on about your way and, and you're saved. The truth of the matter is that's not true. That's not true in any way, shape, or form. It's not biblical anywhere in the Bible. He says, believe in me. Repent and believe in me. And you will have life. See, we lead people to believe that they can identify themselves as their sin and in their sin and that they don't ever have to leave it, but yet you can be a Christian. It's not true. What I mean here is that people say that they're an alcoholic, they're a drug addict, they're a homosexual, and they're a Christian. You can't be that. You cannot be that. Because if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. You are a child of God who deals with sin that's called alcohol, that's called drug addiction, that's called homosexuality. But you're a child of God. You're not the sin in which you live. You are a child of God that's battling the sin that's in your life. You see, not just those things though. Lying, cheating, filthy language, hatred, worry, whatever sin you want to put with. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. Not one of us walks this earth perfect. Not one of us. And not one of us ever will. There's only been one who walked it perfect. And I thank Him for it. Because then He could go to the cross for us. As the perfect sacrifice. You see, because the next verse, Paul lays down it probably has the most significant and the most eloquent and the most inspiring transition of all literature. 
I don't think you can show me any better translation or transition in any book out there. Right here, he says, but God. But God. If that's not underlined or highlighted in your Bible, just go ahead and do it. He says, but God. It indicates an amazing change from the doom and despair of hell to the unspeakable delight. The unspeakable delight of the kingdom of the Son of God's love. It's this amazing transition. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Church, we don't deserve this great mercy. We don't deserve this amazing love. This grace that we are saved by, we don't deserve it. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. It's all Him. You may ask, though, why would He do this? Why does He care about me in all of my horrible ways? Because of His great love with which He loved us. And raises us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only have we been made alive with Christ, we have been raised up with Him. Jesus has, Jesus has done it all. Just as death and judgment are behind Him, they are behind us also. We stand on the resurrection side of the tomb. Church, I want you to get that. We stand on the resurrection side of the tomb. This is our glorious position as a result of our union with Him. As a result of our choosing Him. As a result of believing in Him. We are raised up with Him. I've talked about our position versus our practice before. And because our position is that we are seated with Him and in Him in the heavenly places in Christ, our practice should support that. Our practice should support that. We should live as those who are alive in Christ and not as those who define themselves by sin. Not as those who walk in this world and all of this world. You see, define yourself as the person that God calls you. His child. 
his child. That's how we should walk. As his child, this is how God sees us. If we walk this out by faith, it will change the character of our lives. It will change who we are, how we are, how we walk, how we journey. We will no longer be earthbound and conform to this world, but we will seek those things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of our God. Church, what I want you to see is that in verse 5 and 6, there's a phrase. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. It is in Him that we have been made alive. In Him that we have been made alive, we have been raised and seated. He is our representative. He is our representative. Therefore, His triumph and His position are ours. Do we understand that? Do we grab a hold of that? And this is all because of His transforming grace. All because of Him. You see, I love how Paul builds words upon words. And he's so amazing at it. To, it, it, it suggests the vastness of, his, of God's grace. He starts out with His kindness towards us. And then His grace in His kindness towards us. And then the riches of His grace in His kindness towards us. And then finally, He says, the exceeding, the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us. His grace is a subject that will never be exhausted. Ever. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verses 8-10 through 10 lay out as clear of a statement of the simple plan of salvation as we can find in all of the Bible. It all originates with the grace of God. Church, I, I want you to get this today. I haven't used this in a while, but focus! Focus! <laughs> Boys, eyeballs, that's right. Focus! Focus! Salvation is given to those who are utterly unworthy of it. We don't deserve it. Period. It is on the basis and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It is all on Him. And it all originates with His grace. He's given us a present position. And those who are saved can know they're saved. You see, Paul writes to the Ephesians. Paul, Paul said, you have been saved. He knew it and they knew it. It wasn't a question. It was an absolute. 
The way that we receive the gift of eternal life is through faith. Faith means that a person takes their place as a lost, guilty sinner and receives the Lord Jesus as his only hope of salvation. It's through him and him alone. Him and him alone that we are saved, and it is believing that. It's having faith in him. And any idea that we can earn or deserve salvation is exploded. Exploded by the words, and that not of yourself. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, a gift. A gift is free and unconditional when it's given by God. Free and unconditional. And it's the only basis on which God can give salvation. The gift of God is salvation by grace through faith. In church, it's offered to all people. Everywhere. And Paul goes on, it's, it is not of works. That is, it's not something a person can earn through any deed. It cannot be earned by confirmation, by baptism, by communion, <clears throat> by church attendance, by being morally good, by following the Ten Commandments, by following the Sermon on the Mount, by being religious, by being spiritual. None of that. Listen, church, people are not saved by works. People are not saved by faith plus a little bit of works. No, we are saved by grace through faith alone. The minute you add any works to any kind of it, in any way, shape, or form, to gain eternal life, salvation is no longer by grace. Romans 11.6 says, And if by grace, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Look, if anybody could save by their own works, then the death of Christ was unnecessary. He didn't need to go to the cross. But we know that the reason He died was so that there was no other way by which a guilty sinner could be saved. And if we do it by ourselves, if we could do it by work, how big would you stick your chest out? How much would you boast in self? It says, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because we, as humans, if we could save ourselves, we would stick our chest out and we would worship ourselves. And God says, you can only worship me. So he took that out of the equation. So you didn't have to worry about it. 
Garcia. You see, the result of salvation is that we are His handiwork. We are His workmanship. The handiwork of God and not of ourselves. You see, a born-again believer is a masterpiece of God. Do you understand that? Church, I, I want you to get this. You, as a believer, are a masterpiece of God. A masterpiece. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In him you are a masterpiece. You believe that? Church, you are saved by grace through faith in the Son of God. And when you put your faith in Him and believe, it is instant. It's not down the road. It is instant. It says that we are to repent and believe, and you are saved. And that repenting is changing your heart away from the world to Christ. You are changing your ways and coming to Him. And when you believe in Him, you are saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit as we talked last week. And it is instant. And you are saved by grace. His grace. You know, you don't have to clean yourself all up to do it either. I heard the other day that it's like taking a shower. You don't clean yourself all up and then get in the shower and take a shower. No, you get in the shower dirty and allow the shower to clean you up. It's the same in Christ. Come to Christ and allow His power to cleanse you, to clean you, to make you new and a masterpiece. A masterpiece. His masterpiece. And then walk in that saving grace. Church, I want to challenge you this morning to walk in His saving grace as the masterpiece that He has made you. You are His handiwork. He's molding you. Are you allowing Him to do that? Are you allowing Him to change you? Because see, just as I said earlier, that if you, if you truly believe that His grace saved you, and you have full faith in that, the character of your life will change. Are you allowing Him to change you? Are you walking in that? Are you allowing your mind and your heart to understand who you are? His child, a masterpiece. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. But church, I want to challenge you to walk in that, not just this week, not just today as you leave here, but for the rest of your life. And when you fall short of His glory, I want you to understand that He picks you back up. I want you to understand that His grace is sufficient. I want you to understand that He loves you more than you can even understand. 
And it's nothing you've done to get that love. It's everything that He has done. Everything that He has done by going to the cross. Being perfect before He even went to the cross. But going to the cross and dying for us. Going to the grave and raising up from the grave so that we can completely be forgiven and be white as snow in the eyes of our God. A masterpiece. Do you walk in that, church? Do you walk in that? Listen, this morning, if you have never given your life to Christ, if you have not said, I want to live for you, I want to change my ways from the ways of the world, and I want to come to you, and I want to believe in you, today's the day to do it. Today's the day to give Him your life. And if you're doing that today, man, I want to talk to you. But if you have not been also walking in the way of Him, that you have come to Him before, but, but man, you've, you've got some separation between you and God, I want you to know that that separation is you, not Him. He will never leave you or forsake you. And if you're struggling right now and you feel like there's separation there, come back to Him. I want to pray with you if that's the case. I want to encourage you because I'll be the first to say I'm struggling. This world will throw all kinds of stuff at you. Those three enemies that I talked about, the flesh, the world, and the devil, they're at work all the time. And if you feel that separation between you and God, I'll tell you what, those three are winning. And in my life, those three might be winning. So I know I'm not alone. Truly, today, know who you are, a child of God, and that He loves you, and it's His grace that saves you. And that if you're being beat up by this world and by the flesh and by the devil, put them where they belong, under the feet of Jesus, and come back to Him. Come back to Him today, right now. We're going to stand and sing here in just a minute, and I want to encourage you that if you need prayer, if you need lifted up, and we want to pray with you. But also, if you just want to pray by yourself and you want to come back to Jesus, do it right where you are. Don't wait till you walk out of this church. Don't wait till you get home tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow morning. Do it right now. And we stand and sing. Just cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you that it's your grace that saves us. It's not left up to us because we would mess it up. God, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving your invitation to come and have a relationship with you to all people, all people. And I pray, Lord, that people accept that invitation and they come to you and fully give them, give you their life. And they believe in you, Jesus. God, I pray right now for anybody that's struggling with that separation between you and us, you and them. We, we know that you are right here 
right here journeying with us. You are in us. We are sealed by you. But Lord, we, we also know that we can deny you and walk of the flesh, or we can deny the flesh and walk of you. And Lord, I pray that whoever's struggling with denying that flesh, that they call on your power, your power to deny the flesh and pick up their cross and follow you right now. Right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we can call upon you and all that power that raised you from the grave. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and sing with me. If you need or pray right where you are.
to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. going to have a baptism here, so uh, go ahead and have a seat while they clear this stage. Uh, it's going to be good. Daxton's going to come up here and be baptized, but I will tell you that if there's anybody else that would like to be baptized, please don't be scared. Come on up. Uh, Everybody look at the sound guy. I'm joking. Hey, it's good. Uh, today's Father's Day, as we know. And what a blessing to celebrate our Father, who art in heaven. And a baptism doesn't save you. We already talked about it. The grace of our God saves us. But baptism is claiming to the world that you walk in the way of Jesus. That He is your Lord and Savior. You can agree with me if you want to on this or you can not. It's okay. But I feel like a baptism is our wedding ceremony with Christ. Saying, yeah, I understand that I am your bride. And I'm going to have this <clears throat> wedding ceremony to understand that I have a marriage for the rest of all eternity with you. And I think there's no better way to proclaim it to the world than the baptism. Getting in the water, going down in the water and dying to all sin and understanding that that is what's taking place in Jesus and rising up out of the water to become new as we just talked about. The masterpiece of God. You see, that took place though as soon as Daxon believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But in this ceremony of baptism, that's what we're representing. That's what we're saying. That He is new in Christ. And I think they're ready, so come on out. So I usually have everybody come up. Uh, yeah, it's good. I usually have everybody come up, but last time I was told if you're in the second row, or back, you can't see anything. So we're going to try it, sitting down, to see if everybody can see, and if it doesn't work, I'm bringing a stock tank next time, okay? So, that's what we're... <laughs> um, 
Yes, yeah, so I asked Josh if he wanted to say anything. And I know you're going to say something. So you already did, huh? You told the whole church that this day's coming, huh? It's good. All right. Um, it's been an honor and a privilege to just be a part of Daxton's just growth in the Lord in the last year. And he's asked Peggy and I a lot. Um, been looking forward to this day for a long time. But um, I don't know, just something on Kyron's birthday, March 27th, uh, he started asking a lot of very deep questions after a Bible study. And in the past, when he would ask if he could get baptized, I would just kind of put it off and you know say, well, just talk to us after supper or something. And nothing was ever said. But this day, he was a little more adamant about you know, wanting to make that choice for himself and, and putting Jesus in his life and his heart. And, and that kind of made me chuckle because he says, uh, you'll have to wait to do this now, Dad. And I was like, no, buddy, we can do it right now. So after the Bible study, we showed him some scriptures, and specifically uh, one that I want to share with you guys is Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. Uh, if we confess from our whole heart and confess by mouth, Christ was specifically raised from death to life, we will be saved. And that is exactly what Daxton believes. And he has a couple uh, memory verses that he wants to share with you guys. Psalm 100, 22. The Lord will come down with thunder of your kingdom. Second Peter 3 18. John the Great had the wings and gave his eyes to him before we were bound and fell. Amen. Perfect. <clears throat> I won't say it loud, but <clears throat> it might be cold. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am. 
someone to consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to as Grandma Judy just said. Amen, amen, amen. Absolutely. Give him a hug when he comes out. Love on him. Uh, just as we pray for all brothers and sisters, pray for them. You know what? Uh, what a glorious day it is. What a glorious day it is. And all he did right here today was tell you that he's going to walk the rest of his life in Christ. I want to encourage you to help him in that journey. Just as you, I pray, help me and each person sitting beside you. We don't do it just on the day that they're baptized, but every day from here on out. I want to encourage you to lift him up and lift up their whole family. And it is good. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for Daxton making the choice for you and, and us getting to see that and experience it. And God, it is good. And, and it's only good because of you. God, thank you that his heart desires you. God, thank you that all of us are that way. I pray. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that that invitation is open to all, all who would call upon your name because you died for the world. You rose from the grave for the world. You ascended to the Father for the world to prepare a place for us. And when we confess you, we can know that we have a mansion over the hilltop awaiting and, Lord, we know that it's no mansion of the earthly thought, but a mansion that you promised. God, thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray right now that we will walk in your love. Lord, that we won't let the flesh and the devil and this world separate us from you, but we will keep our eyes on you. And when we fall short of that, Lord, I pray that we just put our eyes back on you just as Peter did when he was sinking in the water. God, I pray that we just cry out to you when we're in that spot. 
Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for this awesome day today. And Father, we praise you. And today on Father's Day, Lord, I, I lift you on high and I pray we all do. God, thank you for fathers. Thank you for what they do for their families. And thank you for, for uh, what you call them to do. And I pray that they walk in that, that they be the spiritual leaders of their homes. And stand strong in their faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have a blessed day.